Hi, and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. This week, our guest is Josh from Prince Works Forge. As we talk about knife making in his own special way, then Austin, Christine, and I reflect on our social media journeys over the last month and what we're going to do moving forward. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Good to see you this week. Hey, hey. Zip it up and zip it out. <laughs> Dean, how's the shoes going? Awesome, man. There's no zippers on them. So there's <laughs> so much. I feel like I've done nothing, but I've done so many new things that like I have a continuum to talk about. So I started the shoes. They're not going to be done in time. Obviously, it's March 2nd. They're not done in time for working hands is uh, make what you fear. But right. that's what got me to start. You know, I wish I would have started a week earlier. Right. Just ended up running out of time because I don't have instruction. And man, this Keith commented. Okay, so I posted a, I posted more stories. I like posting stories, not reels. And we'll get into that later on in the in the podcast. But I posted stories and I'm sewing and I'm just recording. And the guy who shop I'm at, he walks in, he starts correcting me and telling me what I need to do or whatever. And I just posted the story anyway. And Keith commented, he's like, man, what about the value of just having that hands-on, in-person education and not everything online? And I'm going to tell you, the only hurdle I am going through right now is I have no instruction. So I have a pattern and there's YouTube and I'm trying to marry those two up. The problem is the pattern I have may not match the pattern that's on YouTube. And the guys on YouTube may not be telling me everything that they're doing. So I'm sewing these, these shoes, the backs look great. Um, the materials are just top notch because I'm digging through this guy's cutoffs, but this is all fine, fine leather. This is expensive stuff. They look really awesome. And then I, I come home after the first night and I'm sitting here and, I, and I'm mechanically thinking like, how am I going to stitch this if, okay, so I put the, it's called the heel contour. It's the stiff part in your heel that when you wear through the back, it starts stabbing you in the back of the foot. Yeah, yeah. That's what keeps like the rigidity in the back of the shoe. So I glue it in just like what I thought I saw on YouTube. But then I come home and I'm thinking about it. I'm like how, if it goes all the way to the bottom, am I going to be able to fold the leather over to like make it tight. And I ran back here, it ripped the glue apart, pulled the heel counter out so that I could reinstall it in the right place that I would known if I had hands-on instructions or at least specific step-by-step -step guidance. So I, I kind of am having some wishing that I would have done this in a class first. The classes mm. are thousands of dollars, but to have someone go through it one time with me would have saved me so much time and effort. I think I was at the guy's shop for about 10 hours between Saturday and Sunday, and all I got done was the backs. I still have to sew the toes. I have to sew the two together, which the toe is less work than what the back was, but let's call it a third, a third, and then the hardest third is going to be stretching it over the last and gluing it into the sole. So the most daunting work is in front of me, and here's what I know. I know I glued the counter in the wrong place, and what I'm not 100% sure of is that I've sewed all the rest of the shit in the right places. So what's going to happen when I sew, it's a size 10 shoe, I sew the front on, and then I go to put it in the sole, and I just stitch together a size 9 because I put something in the wrong place, you know? Mm. Right. The, the pattern is individual pieces. It never says, it never says this piece goes here or this piece goes there. So I have a shoe with me that I'm using a mirror, and and one second, I the one of the biggest fuck-ups I had was the shoe I brought Saturday 
was the skateboard version of the Jordan 1. And the pattern I have is the 85 version of the Jordan 1. So there was this piece called the mustache. And I'm like, I don't know where the, well, I don't know where this goes. I can't figure out where this goes on the shoe. And the reason is, is because on the Jordan 1 skateboard, the heel counter was the bottom two thirds of the shoe and the foam collar was the top third. But on the 85 version, it's leather all the way up. The heel counter is the bottom half and the mustache was the top half. So I went through all that effort to gold leaf my name on the heel counter. Oh, yeah. It looks great. And it didn't work out. That's not going to be on the final shoe because where I put it is actually covered by the mustache. So I would have had to cut new heels. Well, I already cut all the leather. I'm dealing with scrap lengths of leather. And the leather piece that I had was only big enough to make those two heel counters. So I either had to find another color that didn't match with the design I had, or I had to cover up the gold leafing. And so I covered up the gold leafing. Jeez. I just want to say that when you're done with these and they don't fit your feet, it sounds like my (laughs) feet are just a hair bit smaller than yours. Just yeah. ship those suckers right up to me because I will I will wear them with pride with or without the Duplantis name on it. And them. look, just saying I, that was a lot of, <laughs> of talking in five minutes. And the reason I went so fast is because like there were so many new things I did the gold leafing. So, uh-huh. you know, I engraved laser engraved on my fiber laser, my logo in brass, learned a ton of lessons. I learned that even though the laser has an extremely small curve the heat cycle will eventually remove delicate ends. So the brand I made is only an inch and a half wide, which the fiber laser was more than capable of, but the dot above the eye, uh, the intersection of the T cross, those areas through the heating cycle gave way. And so it wasn't the full relief. Now it was okay because the leather I was stamping on wasn't flat either. It had a texture, so it blended in. But I learned a lesson there and I, I got to use a fiber laser a lot to do that. I got to do the heat pressing on the gold leafing. I got to hand cut leather and I got a lot of lessons on how to hold your hand to make sure that the knife blade is vertical and you're not cutting at an angle. And so that your back cut is not more than the front cut. I use a silver pen for the first time. So it's an ink pen that has this silver coloring to it that removes with heat after the fact. So you can write on your leather. It doesn't mark the because I'm writing with a pencil and he runs over. He's like, no, 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 no. Because when you erase, you're removing the oils off the leather use this pen. And I'm going, wait, I can't use a pencil, but I can use a pen. And it's because this pen is designed for that. So it's the first time I'm exposed to that. I used um, adhesive cement. So I thought I was going to use barge cement. He's like, that's not what you're mm-hmm. going to use. You're going to use this. It's similar. It's, it smells great, let me tell you. But um, <laughs> it was a different kind of adhesive. So I got to do that. Um, the foam was interesting interaction, uh, figuring out all the different, I'm using real gator skin for the eyelet covers, but you have to put a backer on it so that, because gator is very brittle, so it'll it'll come apart if you don't have this backer on it. So there's been a, a whole list of new experiences, and I don't want to monopolize the first half of the, the episode here, especially for a third, a 30% finished project. But um, <laughs> it was a great weekend. I had a ton of fun. I went to work Monday and all I could think was like, Monday was actually my birthday. And I was like, all I wanted to do was take off so I could keep working on my shoes. But I, I went to work like an adult, like an idiot. So like a 41 year old. Yeah. Like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so what have y'all been up to? Christy, what have you been up to? Uh, we went out of town over the weekend. We went up to St. Charles, Missouri, which is just outside of St. Louis. 
And um, we, it was my daughter's, or will be, or kind of was my daughter's sleep day birthday. So we were up there for the weekend. And um, we went to downtown, old downtown St. Charles, where like the the little streets are still like the brick streets. Mm-hmm. And it St. Charles is actually the first capital city of Missouri. And so the old buildings are still there. And so there's a lot of like mom and pop type shops there. So we just had a great day on Saturday, just strolling, strolling through there. And, you know, everything from like a, a little um, I thought of your mom, Dean, because there was a uh, stained glass shop there where they taught classes. So I made sure to pick up a little brochure because I'm like, this is a great like girls weekend getaway kind of place because there's so many shops. There's so much, uh, you know, and then to take like a class and then like across the, the little street was kind of like their, I think their community arts kind of area cooperative or whatever you want to call it. And they had everything from traditional art paintings to, uh, to woodworking, to turned items, to, I mean, just everything in the artistic world. So, so really my weekend was a lot of like inspiration, I guess yeah, you'd say, rather cool. than actually doing stuff. So it was just a really, it was a really fun um fun weekend and yeah that area there's just so much to do and uh, we had some great meals out and um we hit the casino thankfully marvin uh won more than he took because i lost all that i took so you know it's a balance <laughs> kind of evening but that's still fun you know so that cool. was our weekend yeah it's nice to have those little inspiration style trips and stuff like that yeah cool what have you been doing austin um i don't know i've been doing <laughs> that's kind of like my running theme is people are like what are you doing i'm like i have no clue man i'm walking around my shop i'm filming this i'm filming that so i've been like i'm i don't know if you guys know this or not but i'm an influencer now so yeah i do notice something so today like again, that today is march 2nd so the last time we recorded was 10 days ago right. so uh we recorded on uh the february 21st and on February 21st, Austin had less than 2,000 followers. I think it was around like 1,800. And today, 10 days later, Austin's over 9,500 followers. On Instagram. Yeah. On, on Instagram. Instagram. Uh, you also had a YouTube yeah. milestone too, right? Yeah. So I had um, at the beginning of February, before they started doing shorts, pay, or for, started paying for shorts, I had um, I, I had 3,000 YouTube subscribers, and I just crossed 10,500. That's awesome. Um, That's just fantastic. Yeah. It's funny how it just happens all of a sudden. It's so weird. And you know what's funny is it's like it's different videos popping off on each platform. My TikTok mm-hmm. went over 20, I think I'm at like 21 or 22,000 now. Yeah. So you could get it, some good recommendations for like Indian food or, you know, travel arrangements in the Asian subcontinent, right? Yes. Yeah. That's my, I, there's an unbelievable amount of Muhammad's that follow me now. Like uh, every name, every third name is Muhammad. I'm like, holy shit! No kidding. Like that is the most one of the most popular names on the planet. Apparently, yeah, they saw you put that pork hot dog on that hot poker, and they were like, "Yes, this is our guy." Yeah, it's so funny, man. I got a comment today, and and it, this guy commented, and he said, "People are because I so it's me, you know, doing a burn in on a on a hot dog, which apparently is called a glizzy in most parts of the world. It's called a glizzy. Oh, not that's a, hot a hot dog is called a glizzy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Um, like, like in the UK or something. I don't know. Oh, but 
So there's a bunch of people on there because when you when you get outside of your normal realm, you get mm-hmm. into obviously people that you don't know or people who who don't know anything. Um, and uh, so it's it's my how a blacksmith makes lunch video, and it's just me burning it in, and I take it off with a with a bun. I take it off the spike, and uh, a bunch of people are giving, of course, giving shitty comments. And today I got a comment that made me laugh. Um, and the guy said, there's so many people on here giving this guy shit, but people like him are who built America. And I thought it was so <laughs> funny because I'm like, this guy picks up like a real blacksmith, not just some <laughs> idiot cooking a hot dog. <laughs> I know you're getting a ton of comments because I've been going leaving shitty comments and you haven't noticed yet. Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> the, bu- yeah. the video of you dumping the bucket out of all the drill bits. I wrote, oh. this is the kind of guy that fills his wife's yards up with a bunch of bullshit. Dude, I have no, I, it's, I, my phone. So when Kristen was like, how do you still have friends? I was like, cause he's not reading these comments, I guess. I can't, I can't like every once in a while, I'll read one that comes through. You posted your video of the make what you fear, your phone adapter. And when you tried to film your phone, you were constantly getting comment updates from YouTube. Like the top bar of your phone was just constant updates from YouTube. Yeah. And so the, the day my videos like all of them popped off the same day which i was like what the hell is going on and so it was instagram facebook and youtube all firing off at the same time and uh it drained my phone from a hundred percent just because it was vibrating on my desk in my office <laughs> in two hours it went from a hundred to zero percent in oh my two gosh hours. Yeah, it was just going to apple about that boom, boom. can't like, you tell it not to notify you Yes. And I tried to do, I thought I did it, <laughs> but I could not get it. Cause, cause you got YouTube and then you got YouTube studio and they're both sending you, you know, and then it's going to the emails. Cause it's, there's so many comments and then Facebook and Facebook meta and Facebook business. Like they're all sending. And finally I was like, I put my phone. So I have a safe in my shop. I wrapped it up in a towel and I put it in the safe. Cause the buzzing noise of my phone was driving me crazy. You could just turn it off. Because if my if my kids' school calls, I got to be able to answer it. So Which we know happens on a regular basis. All the time. So. <laughs> I'm on first name basis with the nurse. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been wild, man. It's been wild. It's uh, I mean, but that and that's a financial. You're making money doing. It. I mean, we talked about this sure. a few episodes back, but I mean, I know it seems like the outside world, and I mean, people that don't film or record or post things on social media with the goal of making money. They think we're just goofing off on social media, which sometimes, well, most of the time, that's probably what we're doing. But at this point in time, like we talked about, you know, a few episodes ago, it's a different game where you can make money. Well, why don't we hold this and we can discuss it after our interview? Okay. Well, I want to tell you one more thing that I did this week and it's, so it's inspired by, uh, I caught a lot of shit by which I'm catching shit in my comments. So this week I've been shit catcher. What have I been doing? Catching shit. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I got big shoulders. I can take it. Um, so the, uh, I went on digitally creative with Vincent. Yeah. Uh, and which I'm like, I asked him before I went on there, are you going to change the name to digital Luddite for this episode? Because that's me, you know? And, uh, and he's like, no, no, he's like, you're doing, you know, digital video creation and all that stuff. So I got a ton of response back from that, um, doing that interview. And I got a ton of people giving me shit because I have these machines that I could do digital creation. So this week I designed myself 
some uh, digitally created um, new tooling shelves. So I completely CNC'd every single piece of it and then just glued it together. And so that's the main thing that I was working on this week is trying to earn my spot on digitally creative. <laughs> that's good. I want to, um, when we get to Patreon, I want to ask you about something you said on digitally creative. So, oh, oh yeah. We yeah. Trust me. I've been about. hearing it all week. I know exactly yeah. what you're going to ask me. About. We'll see. We'll see in the Patreon. <laughs> all right. Tonight we're joined here with Josh with Prince Works Forge. Thanks for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you guys. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you fit in the maker community? Yeah, I'm, uh, I live in uh, Barrington, Rhode Island. I've been kind of a child of artists. So it's kind of the family, the family business, mm -hmm. whether I like it or not. It's something that's always been part of my life. I'm about 54 now, 50, I think I just turned 54. So I've been at it for, you know, my entire life, pretty much my education and my background outside of uh, is not actually focused on on art or creating things or, or working with my hands it's um and nor is my job my actual day job if you will is actually uh, an account executive in sales but uh, i've always had this sort of du duality of you know career and then the things i pursue separately which really is full time on both on both sides you know, my, my activities as far as making take over when my job ends and my weekends and all of my time, um, that's been consistent throughout, throughout my life. And, uh, it's been great. I can definitely appreciate that as a, you know, my day job as an accountant and then coming home and getting to use the other side of my brain is kind of, is kind of mm -hmm. nice, but looking through your projects is just, it, it literally blows my mind because there's just so much detail. So I'd like to kind of dig in through your process. And like, if we were to, if you were to think of like one of your, one of your favorite projects, can you kind of talk us through what, where do you start on making what you would consider one of your favorite projects? Yeah, I have different approaches. Sometimes it's an idea a story that I want to tell. Those are the best ones. Those are the ones that get me the most excited. So it's kind of coming up with a story that I want to tell with with the project. And the project here that I'm talking about is a is a kitchen knife, a chef mm -hmm. knife, and done in patterned steel where multiple multiple alloys of steel are combined and then uh, and forge welded together, manipulated into a pattern. And then finally etched in uh, in an acid so that the um, so that the different steels show different tones of gray, black, silver, uh, and then you can do a lot. There's a lot that can be done within the steel as far as expressing the idea and the pattern. And then you also have the opportunity to express more with the handle, which is one of the things that really drew me to making um, knives and specifically kitchen knives because there's an opportunity to tell a story with the materials you're using uh, and use different materials i'm a real i really love different types of um not just steel actually um mm -hmm. with with knives it brings you into wood into synthetics into uh decorative elements that can be used in conjunction with with the steel and then trying to sculpt all that so it's also it's it's a it's a product where you're 
it's a process where you're working on an image, but you're also working on something that is very sculptural. So there's a lot of different elements. And so what I'm trying to say is that's what got me attracted to knives. I, I'm, I'm not just making knives, but that's what I'm showing on my, on my social media. Mm -hmm. I'm actually outside of that. I'm always doing other things that only I think are interesting, but I don't share those. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, because it just won't make any sense to it. I don't know who it'll make sense to, but it right, probably won't make sense page. to people. Exactly. Do they want to see non-knife things? Are these sculptural or is it? Uh, could be anything. Um, I like puzzles. I, oh, okay. I used to make yeah. um, oh, jewelry okay. boxes and I like the idea of like sort of like precious. Jewelry boxes are very precious and the things you put in them are very precious. So I like the idea of um, secret. Yeah, secret, secret compartments. Nice. Secret way to open compartments. Yeah. yeah, ways to opening. And I got into collecting puzzles and then I... That took me down trying to make puzzles, puzzle boxes. Uh, right now I'm working on a, um, it's not a jewelry box or a puzzle. It is a puzzle. It's a clay. I'm working on a, a clay puzzle. So it's made out of, I built a box um, made out of plywood, a cube, because I only had mm -hmm. so much clay. So I had figured out how much volume of clay I have. It's um, it's a stoneware clay. And then I, so I built a box, a cube that would, that I could press pieces into. So I press a piece in and put some shape into it, sculpt it a little bit by hand and push it into the corner and then dust it with uh, parting powder like you'd use for mold release. Oh, yeah. Then I put another piece uh -huh. on, kind of sculpted that in, powdered that, and, and I continue until I have a cube. So now it's drying. So Yeah, it's a puzzle it's, form. That's interesting. Yeah. So the whole thing is in a cube, but I'm, wow. I'm going to try to fire it. Built in a cube, it's full of parting powder. So hopefully none of the pieces stick together. And then I'm going to bisque fire it. Uh, in my knife kiln, <laughs> and I'm, I'm probably going to just put some glaze on the outside to maybe differentiate the sides, kind of like a Rubik's cube. Otherwise, it might be almost impossible to actually solve. Reassemble, yeah, yeah, reassembly. I'm afraid that um, once I get it done, I won't be able to reassemble it myself, and then I'll never, I'll never share. It. <laughs> just, just put it all in like a a nice little pouch and tuck it away in a drawer. What a way to um, stretch, though, like. And you know you're still using the knife yeah. kiln and the firing, but trying other elements. Yeah, different materials, and some of this stuff ends up leading back to knives, which is really cool. Um, I recently got into uh, enamel. saw I saw some mm. some um, uh, some people who work in metal using enamel, but they were using it for for jewelry, decorative um, as decorative elements, decorative elements on jewelry. I know it's also used on coins. Um, sort of like challenge coins or or metals. Sometimes they'll do the they'll do a high relief and then they'll use enamel in the low spots. And I, I've yeah. I've been aware of that process, but it took someone else posting it uh, being done on steel for me to think I could do that on the night. You know, I could do mm -hmm. that as an element on a oh, yeah. on the bolster, yeah, or up in an area right. that's where the where it's not been ground to where it's um you know you. You grind the knife. Left. Yeah. Yeah. You grind the knife so that it has a particular geometry um, down toward the cutting edge, but up toward the spine, you have opportunity to work with texture, which I enjoy quite a bit. And then now being able to add enamel to that. Mm -hmm. 
And I could take now once I and I've kind of got that enameling process down. I watched a few videos like YouTube, you know, the usual. Right. Um, Rio Grande, if you're familiar, it's a jewelry supply company. They they sell a lot of this type of stuff and they have some great tutorials. So I and I just recently bought an induction forge. And the, the stuff on Rio Grande and the stuff on YouTube was with a torch, which I, I only have a oh. map. I only have a map torch. I need an oxyacetylene or oxypropane rig, but um, mm-hmm. my shop is so small, small that I'm not sure if I can fit any more bottles or machines <laughs> in there. And uh, so I decided to use the induction forge. Actually, it made a lot of yeah. sense to me to use the induction forge to get the, you know, the process is is basically you know clean steel, and then there's this um, so this clear solution that you paint on, and then you sort of sift on the enamel through a sifter. Oh, it could yeah. be applied. It could be applied. You could just pinch it and drop like it. Powdering donuts fingers. or something. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, was, that's what I was bought the about. sifter. The sifter was like twenty five bucks. It's like a little <laughs> plastic. It's like a cheap thing with a little plastic with a little screen on it. I was like, an, I like an idiot. I bought it because I was like, well, this is the recommended tool. Now that I have it, I figured <laughs> I could have just used one of those. I could have used anything in the kitchen or just put it on by hand. Yeah. That's how you learn. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I'm super curious the about. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm super curious about induction um, forges. It's a newer technology, and it just seems to have a lot of um, application. And I'm not a blacksmith, so all I think of is fire when you think of forge. Um, could you tell us more about why did you get the induction uh, forge, and how does it compare to the traditional forges? Yeah, so the, the really nice thing about the induction forge is how localized the heat can be um, used. I mean, you, you you have to use, it doesn't have a great capacity as far as it, how much steel you can heat at one time, but you can focus it on a really small area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can you can make your own coils or you can um, modify the coils so that they're, um, the typical coil you see, usually it comes out and it just makes a few turns, like three or four turns, and then goes back into the machine. And, and that, what happens is water is running through that to cool it. Um, Otherwise, it probably would just melt instantly. Melt, yeah. Right. Right. And and then the, the material you want to heat, you put in inside the coil, and within seconds, it'll for steel, anyways. Within a few seconds, it'll come up to to heat. You'll see it smoke a little bit, and it'll come. Then you'll start to see the color. So you can heat a small areas and work those areas, and then just go right back and reheat them. Versus uh, with with my gas forge it's very difficult to make adjustments in small areas. Mm-hmm. So these yeah. are tasks that you could, you could probably use a, a torch, oxypropane or oxy, um, oxyacetylene um, torch for, but that's a whole production, you know, yeah. and I don't have one. And the versatility of this machine is, has really opened up some, not just the enamel, but it's opened up some blacksmithing things, some sculptural things that I, I've been pursuing as well. Like making small sculptures that balance human figures, just kind of things like little pursuits that I have on the side when I have an idea uh, that would be difficult. Because um, with the sculptural things, especially, I in working with them, I, I've done them in the forge, but they eventually get so big that they don't fit in the forge. True. Mm-hmm. Um, some folks would use a like a coal forge, just uh, you know, traditional coal fire really 
known for giving you good opportunity to just isolate areas, but the induction forge takes that to a whole, a whole different level. Yeah. And I'm just, I've just got it for a, a month or two and it's been cold, but I've, I've just found so many different ways to use it. The enameling, um, the sculptural stuff. So it's been great. That's cool. You had, or go ahead, Ross. Has the um, induction forge changed your workflow on your knives at all? Um, not really. Okay. No. Once I, once I'm working on a knife, like the majority of the forging is going to be done out of the forge. And if I need to localize heat, I'll usually use a heat shield, um, which could consist of something that'll obstruct the flame in an area that I don't want to get hot, or it'll act as a heat sink, um, which happens with knives as they get thin. Uh, and you still are working the areas that are thicker because I'm doing a lot of integral knives where that where it has an integral bolster, which is a large mass of steel. And then the, the knife becomes actually very thin as you forge it down. And what you don't want to have happen is expose thin areas to intense temperatures, uh, mainly because you'll get a, a lot of um, uh, carbon loss and a lot of scale, surface scale that can really penetrate deep into the steel where when you're going to clean it up, uh, you can remove it easy enough, apparently, but then when you go to etch it, it might leave some residual area that where the pattern is obscured by this um, area that has lost carbon and doesn't etch properly. Anyways, uh, what I like to do is 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 shield those thin areas. So that's when I'll use the um, forge for that. But once the forge, like I said, once the forge is lit and I'm working, I just want to keep keep that work in and out of that forge. That's the gross forging of the of the of of a knife. Um, so not not really, um, but again, to be determined. I've made some adjustments after the fact, which has been great. So I don't have to light the fire and wait ten minutes for it to get warm, and then another five minutes to for the steel steel to soak. I can just take it over to the induction forge, turn it on, turn on the water chiller, the water cooler. It's like a TIG chiller. Turn that on. Turn the forge on. You know, run it through there for a minute, make an adjustment, shut everything down. Wow. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned uh, in one of your posts about your dream journal. So do you, like when you're planning, whether it's a knife or one of your sculptural projects, do you put most things in your dream journal or or how does that go in your flow? Yeah, the dream the dream journal like projects are just things that I, I want to do, but I probably can't can't do because it just takes too much time to get to all the things, all the ideas you want to you want to delve into. So I, I got to have somewhere to put that energy. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I might start that project. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I don't need is I don't need to start more projects because I've got on the other side of this laptop that I'm looking at, I've got. I've got like about 15 knives that are in different steps of not being finished. <laughs> and that's a, that's a consequence of kind of like me chasing ideas constantly. So I try to put them in a bank sort of, that's what the, the it's just a sketchbook really. I just sketch mm -hmm. the idea, but I'll fully like fully flesh out the idea, draw, you know, do the steps to make the steel, um, draw what the finished thing might, might look like if I were successful with the pattern I'm pursuing. And that leads off into um, 
those ideas, I don't always do them because they're not real. They're not always realistic, but sometimes I can take little elements from that and put it into the work that I'm doing in the moment. It's nice. I think a common theme among makers is too many projects going on at once or a, a list that they'll never get to. Would you say yeah. the dream journal has been a nice therapy, a nice way to get that creative outlet without committing time and resources? Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it, I have to, I want to keep note of a good idea. Like, like anybody sure. who's trying to think, I don't know, like comedians who's, who say they will wake up in the middle of the night with jokes. You know, write a joke down. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Like, I think we're, I think we're all like that. We have an idea, but you really do have to write it down because if you don't write it down, it could disappear. And I've had ideas that I, I was like, oh, that'd be brilliant. And I never wrote it down and it's just gone. And it's gone. So I do write it down. Writing it down is a sort of an exercise. I might not, I honestly, I don't open these books. I very rarely go back and flip through the sketches um, because usually by the time I look at the sketches, my skill has moved on and I'm like, oh, that's that's ridiculous. That'll never work. You know, I can disqualify some of these ideas um, because time has passed. But sometimes I go back when I do rarely go back. I'll, I'll dig that idea up or some part of it and say that that's actually makes sense. Or um, some of the patterns I've done, I've forgotten how to do. So I I, I draw those as well. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of like whenever you find an old photograph, you know, from maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, I remember when I had that shirt, or I remember that clock that I used to have. And you could flip through and you're like, oh, I remember that idea. And maybe you have an idea three years later, and those two marry up. You you might have just motivated me to start dream journaling. My wife will Absolutely. have to let me get a lamp on the nightstand. Yeah, just get a just get a nice big, you know, nice big, um, I don't know if you like to, to draw on line paper or or a sketchbook or something like yeah. that. And yeah, I've got them everywhere. I've got books all over the place, you know, uh, tucked in the library shelf and I've got some out in front of me. And then I've got, I just grab eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper constantly. Cause they're right next to me where mm -hmm. I usually sit, um, for my day job. <laughs> <laughs> and when I get an idea, I have to, I have to draw it. And I'll just grab eight and I've got so many eight and a half by 11 copy paper things with, with all kinds of drawings on both sides and just parts and pieces of ideas and puzzle box concepts. And um, even the ceramic thing, I this ceramic puzzle thing, I had drawn that idea before I did it. Um, metal sculptures, things that I just, um, I really want to do, but I just, um, it's hard to find the time and prioritize. And where I'm at with the knife making is it is it does pay for all the experiments I do. I have to I have to fund them. And uh, it didn't start out that way, but the knife making is actually I'm kind of economically dependent on it. Um, over time, it's sort of integrated into my finances. And so I'm compelled to make and to sell. But also it, it, it funds all of the things that I'm the new ideas are funded yeah. by the things I've already done. So I have to sort of complete these, which is good. Cause yeah, I would say it's a good problem. It's a good problem because I'm, I'm definitely capable of, of not finishing. I mean, the <laughs> stuff that I show is probably one tenth of the stuff I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it's a really, it's a, the stuff I'm sharing is a very small fraction of the stuff I'm doing um, between not just knife making, but the other stuff, but even the, within the knives, it's, it's, there's a high ratio of like abandoned, abandoned stuff. Um, 
Well, my suggestion for another revenue source for you is to publish your sketches in a book, like a coffee table book or something, because just flipping through your sketches, I'm like, I could look at just your sketches all day long because, I mean, they're just beautiful. So if you if you ever want to, uh, you know, pursue the self-publishing Mm. that's my suggestion right there because yeah, your sketches are fantastic too, besides that's, your actual projects. Thank you. That That's a great thought. And um, it's definitely something I, I, I have a book that I really love. That's um, it's Eric Sloan. And it's, I want to show you guys. It's called a reverence for wood. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, uh-huh. It's by this guy named Eric Sloan. And it's like, it's amazing. It's, it's like, well, at least yeah. you're not going to be able. I don't. It's oh, full yeah, of yeah. illustrations about about um, about wood, about forestry, and about um, about wood things that were made out of wood. Anyways, that that book kind of really inspired me to to maybe some somehow come up with a concept like that. What you described, just like, mm-hmm. but I almost I almost just want it to be a, a book of ideas that I yeah. may or may not have done. So I've been thinking about it. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about like your tools and your setup and kind of your workflow and your shop. Um, maybe you can just tell us kind of like what is your your go-to tools and and um how are you using them? Yeah, so for for knife making, um what's working for me what what has worked for me for the last um four or five years. And it's it's been I've built up sort of an assortment, but the basic things I have, my shop space is a shed that I built um, on a concrete pad that was there when I bought the house. Hmm. Um, so we we had had a flood here in, uh, in my town in Barrington. And my, my house got flooded and FEMA came by and offered me a small business loan to, for the flooding. And I was like, I'll take that money and build a shop <laughs> out of it, <laughs> which is what I did. Yeah. I'm still paying for that. Well, that's okay. It got me there. It's a, I think it's 10 by 12. Oh wow! It's, it's two stories because I built it as tall as the town would let me. Mm. So it's it's actually I don't use the upper upper section except to throw stuff up there. So it's ten by twelve. I've got in there. I've got a hydraulic a twenty four ton uh, hydraulic press, Uncle Al's press, uh, Riverside machine, great machine. Uh, I've got a small uh, pneumatic hammer, self contained pneumatic hammer, which is um, sort of like an Anyang. It's a knockoff I bought on. On Alibaba. Okay. I think I got, I don't remember how much I paid for it, but it's, a, it's you know, it's not a great machine, but it's uh, six, it's 16 kilos weight uh, for the hammer. So it's very small for, for a hammer. I think smaller than even the little giants hammers that are around, the mechanical hammers, something like that, except it's a, it's a, the pneumatic type. So it runs off of uh, compressed air. Um, so that's what I use mainly. And then I've got a hundred, just a hundred and ten pound anvil, different hammers. Some are from some are great hammers. I got some hammers from John Ariani, Sunset Forge. Yep. And I've got some uh, other random hammers that I've either made or bought at Home Depot or modified. Um, I mean, it's a mess in there. I've got in there, what else? I've got a grinder in there. I've got the induction heater, induction forge. Uh, I've got a leg vice. Leg vice is really critical to this to the blacksmithing, knife making. 
So and 10 by 12, how do you walk around? Is it crowded. kind of like ballroom dancing? <laughs> oh, or I don't walk around. I have All I have to do is turn. It's like a human lazy Susan. Exactly. All I have to do is turn. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to stepping over stuff and it takes a lot for me to pick anything up off the ground while I'm working. <laughs> I'll keep stepping back and forth over it or even tripping sometimes. It's, it's not pretty. And sometimes Same. people come out and work with me for a day and I'm like, I just got to warn you, like, this is a very dangerous place to work for you. <laughs> 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 not for me. I'm fine. I tell people all the time, my shop is great for one person and anyone else is in my way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I ha I've had a few people out. It's, it's too small, really, to, to um, be comfortable it, or to do any kind of teaching or even to have people come out and just hang out. It's just too small. And then the forge. The forge is in there, too. I forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's good? Are you running a ribbon burner or? No, I've got, um, it's just a three burner. It's a majestic forge. It's a three burner forge. It's the one I first bought and I just keep buying it the same forge over and over and I can do everything in that forge. It's, it's not the best forge. It's actually probably one of the worst in a lot of ways. But for me, it's because of the three burners, I can, I can run all three. I can run just one. I can run two. I can move, the, I can run the, I can run the, 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 the two ends and leave the middle off and block it so it doesn't chimney. I've got little, you know, I put little blocks at the, you know, little, um, actually the bottom of soda cans I cut out. I just mm. put that because if you don't, it'll stovepipe and the heat will just go up, um, up the burner tube. They're, so they're Venturi, Venturi burners. So it's not even, uh, it's not even powered, you know, with a, with a fan or whatever. It's just naturally aspirated. And so that, that forge is great. And I've even, I've done stainless steel, um, welded up <clears throat> you know, stainless steel, Damascus, regular Damascus, everything. Josh, <laughs> let's take a quick little detour from the knife making. I think we want to come back with some more knife questions, but I wanted to break it up with a section we have called this or that. Um, I've got two questions here and then Christy's got two questions. Um, oh. I'm going to go first if that's okay. And my first one is when you're making chef's knives, do you like going with the wooden handle or do you like this? forge grip that you're working on yeah i really like the forge grip it's, and that's um, you're doing the enamel and stuff on too now right i've done some enamel on them yeah the, the thought i had about those um there's there's a couple i just um sent out today that are made out of they're from stainless steel they're 440c stainless and i got them i got it from uh, some bar stock that somebody gave me that was about two inch diameter and I think the cylinder I had was about, it looks just looks like a piston from a hydraulic cylinder or something like a that about that diameter, that size. And I made these two knives and, and sort of when I look at them or when I ponder what it is I like about them, it's like some things are just, there are expressions in other language that capture it. You know, like the French has a French has a language uh, expression for it and Japanese has an expression for it. But in English, there's no real, that I, Maybe I'm just not literate enough, but there's no expression that describes something that has sort of a beauty that doesn't have really words to describe it, you know? So what's your French term? Je ne sais quoi? Yeah, like that. I'm trying to think about 
why isn't there a term in English that describes it? But that's the way I feel about those all steel knives is, is that they're just, they just are, you know, there's really no question about, you know, what is that handle material or what is that steel or what is that texture? You know, it just is. So to keep things serious, the soundtrack in the Prince Forge, do you prefer Prince or Michael Jackson? Oh man. <laughs> well, not really either one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you just stop there. Christy's got a question. We'll let okay, Christy so ask Okay, so maybe this question. leads into what my question was for the this or that. Regarding your personal music style, do you prefer orchestra music? Because you have that on your reels a lot. Or are you more of a traditional rock fan? Hmm. I love the orchestral. I love certain certain ones that are tied to my childhood. So my mm -hmm. father played. It handles Messiah at Christmas. Okay. So I'm very, I'm very like sentimental about that. And then growing up, my mother would play whatever NPR channel that was like this so stuffy classical music, but it really is the most incredible music. What was the question? No, you answered it. <laughs> well, I'm right there with so you. You pretty much answered it there. Yeah. I watched a ton I, of movies growing up and I'll be quick to throw on, uh, Hans Zimmer or, uh, um, you know, just one of the John Williams, you know, stuff like that. I, I could just put that on in the shop and be great. It's amazing music. The problem with classical music is that you can't, you don't know where it's going, no matter how many times you've listened to it. And that's for, for music that people want to enjoy. They want to know where it's going. Mm -hmm. That's the way we've been trained. This is my, this is my take on like music and why, you know, 12 minute long songs are not, people don't like them and why classical music is sort of not well appreciated by everyone. I think it's because it's just, it doesn't take you on that. It doesn't give you, it doesn't make you smart in the way that you, you know, exactly the, the, what the, when, when the solo is coming in and when the bridge is and you know, what the lyrics are and what the chorus is. It's, it's, it's not like that with classical music. So it's, it takes a lot more patience to listen to it. And it's hard to listen to it while you're doing anything else. If we also take a little uh, trail back into your history, are you favorite sandwich, a sardine sandwich or a bologna sandwich? <laughs> I like the sardine sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated your story um, on one of your posts where you talked about when you were younger and, and painting yeah. uh, the, the houses. Or you can go ahead and tell the story. Go ahead and tell the story. Yeah, I mean that's what we we worked all summer for a sardine sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> painting houses with my father, he put us to work, and that was what we got at lunchtime. We he'd get us sardine sandwiches and a coke. It was pretty great. Where you we that weren't reminds... expecting any money, so you know if we got anything out of it, yeah, <laughs> we got yeah. lunch out of it. That was pretty good. <laughs> what goes on a sardine sandwich? That's it. Sardines. sardines and bread yeah it's a it's a like a pop six it's like i was Portuguese. hoping it was an acronym for like salami no, something awesome good. with it's an a yeah. something awesome it's like with an you R. take that you take that bread and you rip it open with your hands and then you open that can of sardines and you just kind of throw them in there <laughs> well it just reminded me of, of when i was younger and our our thing would be cutting wood with dad you know, on the farm and for us it was the bologna sandwich so that's why oh, I was kind of curious so similar. when I was yeah, yeah that's it really it really I appreciate when you do 
add those touches of your stories in your um, posts. Cause that, you know, that's just more of my style. Yeah. I think, I feel like everybody has one of the stories like that, where it's like, cause mine is dove hunting with my grandfather and he'd pull out a can of uh, Vienna sausages and throw it on a piece of white bread. And he's like, that's there's it. a sandwich for you. That's it. Yeah. It's perfect because it's like, you know, there, you weren't going to take the kid out and then go to a McDonald's or something, you know, mm, no, never. It's like, this is what we're doing. And, you know, I feel sorry for y'all. My dad had delis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting whatever sandwich I wanted. <laughs> Fried shrimp, loaded up. Oh, man. Okay. So if you had a maker contact you and say, I'm getting into knife making, what tools do I start with or where do I start or what do I avoid? What's, what's your advice for a new knife maker? Getting into knife making from zero, like having nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to go with take a class. Okay, good. Yeah. Don't do anything. Take a class. Like, don't buy anything. Take a class and see if it's for you. That's not what I would do for me because, right. you know, I, I know that I'm, I know that I want to try something. I don't need to know whether I'm going to like it or not. I don't know if everybody's like that. I'll get into my head. I want to do something and I'll just get the stuff and I'll try it. And then I might not like it. I mean, I'll just yeah. put all the stuff somewhere, but I'm, I'm, I'm of a mindset. Like if I have something for, I don't know, some ink for like, I made some t-shirts. I decided I want to make some t-shirts. I wanted to paint them, hand paint them, but now I have the ink so I can use that for anything else I want to do. So once mm -hmm. I have the stuff for the thing that I may or may not like, I'll have it and I can use it for something else that I'm doing. But I would say like if someone's interested in knife making, they should take a class because that's the easiest way to dis decide if you, if you like it or not and go from there. And then after that, it would just be a hammer, hammer and anvil in a forge, you know, um, those things can be had without too much money. An anvil doesn't even have to be the, the anvil with the horn. It can just be a big old chunk of steel, you know, and then the um, the hammer could be in whatever hammer you can get your hands on. They, they've got blacksmith hammers at Home Depot. What's the story from where did you get your anvil? Because I feel like since Forged and Fire, anvils are really hard to come by. I bought mine on eBay and they shipped it in a plastic tote. <laughs> wow. They smashed to bits. They got here, though. It was a hundred. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I got it. I think I paid four or five hundred dollars for it, and I could have gotten one local. I just, I just wanted it. I just kind of wanted one quickly. <laughs> you know, I didn't right. want to turn it into a, a sort of a, you know, a yard sale all summer looking for an anvil. And actually, since I've had it, I haven't looked for another anvil. I'm set. You know, yeah. I could use. I mean, it would be great to have a three hundred pound anvil in the shop but you know anvil is serving my needs and good enough so, so we have one question that we'd like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast when so it's our three tools question so if you were gonna start off i feel like it's gonna be a very similar question so instead of me asking you where are you would you start off your workshop i'm gonna say the next three tools that you would like to acquire what would those be well 
So the next three tools. It'd have been induction forge if you asked them three months ago. <laughs> yeah, it definitely would have been. There's nothing I'm really lacking right now. Um or give us your three dream tools. Like Yeah, I've it, had I've had ideas that I want to do. I could use a lathe, like a small lathe, but I don't think I would use it a lot. But then again, if I had it, I might start integrating it into my process. So a small metal lathe. I've thought about a 3D printer hmm. for, for for the knife making, but for also for anything else I want to do. But also I'm a little bit um I find the whole idea about learning how to use the software a little bit daunting yeah i just not that i can't do it i just don't want to spend huge parts of my day over months and months to figure it out i think i would enjoy it but i think i would derail me completely from what i'm doing Uh, but that would be something i'd be interested in if maybe if the modeling technology comes more natural like I've tried to use some CAD 3D CAD programs and I just can't make heads or tails of honestly. I don't understand it at all. It's it's very alien to me. I think you will be in luck in the next four or five years with the AI technology that's coming out with like, you know, chat GPT right. and stuff like that. I think that is going to really change the modeling world for CNC and I think you're you know, right. Like yeah. you could say, you could say, I, I, can you, I'd like to have a cylinder with a, you know, with a, with an internal spiral and, you know, some, I'm just making something up and and it could conceivably. No, I think that's where it's going to go for you. Yeah. I think that'll be pretty quick. Right. Because Weird. that's, that's the step that's missing for me to really make that kind of jump. Cause I know the three, I know the printers are cheap. Um, you know they're they're accessible but the, the part that i don't want to do i don't want to just take other people's files and do what other people are doing i want to do what i want to do and apply it in, in the way that i want but i i also don't want to come i don't want to have to get a degree in cad drawing to, to right. do it because that totally... could be really great for like models the, and the puzzles that i was talking about i've had that idea for a long time I'm like i really would like to do this but not do it with with wood and resin because <laughs> it just doesn't mechanically it doesn't function the way it needs to function to get me where i'm, I'm trying to go and then uh, maybe something like a dnc or but i don't know that's you know if i if i were to do that i've seen people do um knives fully out of machines but those are million dollar machines so that's you know if i were to apply that to knife making that's the direction i'd want to go in if i can't do that then i don't see the point because i literally do my handles in my lap you know with with a file and sandpaper and i actually like to do it that way i don't really envision me that's cool taking a block of wood and running a program that would i i would totally lose interest in in everything at that point right Keep it organic yeah that's not interesting to me i know i know it's interesting um, to other people but for me it's not the way i like the machine just not the application for what i'm doing yeah well i appreciate you coming on it's been great if you can please tell people where they can find you bet it's uh at princeworks forge on instagram my website is um princeworksforge.com Really, no reason to go there. <laughs> Just every <laughs> once in a while, I do post a knife there sometimes. Uh, most of the stuff that I um, I'm selling is um, 
it's pretty much on my Instagram when it's available. And um, do you guys know eating tools? I no. have seen them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eating tools. It was great. I work with uh, mostly work with him. Okay. Cool. That's cool. Well, thanks so much for coming yeah. on, man. We really appreciate Thank it. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. Yes. Thank you. Cover right. a lot of thanks different so. subjects. I think. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to take a minute to thank our folks over at Patreon who help support the podcast. We've got Marion Ward from Creative Ward Gallery, Vincent Ferrari from Digitally Creative, Justin from Bear Maked, Scott Oren from Daddy Yourself, and Matthew from Artigino Sorio, and Marcel Este. Those folks are all in the top tier. And then in the middle tier, we've got Tony Langer from Langerworks, Brendan McDonough from McDonough Design, Susan DePlantis from Hearth and Garden Art, and Stephanie Taddeo. And then our first tier, we've got Jacob Griffin from Griffin Makes, Keith with Blackthorn Concepts, Jacob from Other Dog Design, Eric from Overall Makerworks, Jeff Stein, a weird guy, Dave Bauer, Caitlin Landrineau, Morley Kurt, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, The Grant Alexander, Jen Griffin, The Black Sheep, Brian from Moonshine Leatherworks, Makeshift Podcast, Maritime Knife Supply, Jay-Z and D at Just My DIY, Henry at HT1 Metalworks, Brad Harrison from Brad's Customs, Steve Delaney from One Old School Pirate, Kelsey Watson, and Steve at Making It Home. Thanks a bunch, folks. Earlier in the podcast, Christy and Austin were talking about an episode we had, episode 95. It was the February 7th release. Uh, Our guests were Grant Alexander and Chris Powell, and they kind of talked about their success so far making money on social media really put a bug in Austin and Christy to put out more content. I've been trying to put out more content. Um, and I just kind of want to talk about this. Like what motivates y'all to keep putting out videos? Cause I'm at a fatigue. Like I'm tired yeah. of editing videos. I'm tired of finding new stuff to post. I'm tired of bullshit. I posted a video of me replacing a windshield wiper and I got so much shit from people like just stop. And it's like, I get it. This isn't who you want to follow, but this is who needs to exist if he's going to have a video to post every day. My last video was me cutting a shoe in half. And I'm like, how the fuck is though. this entertaining? And you're right. Yeah, sure. But I went, we went to go to lunch and Kristen took the top off the Jeep and I fussed her because like, this could have been real. <laughs> and then I got immediately mad at myself. Like, what have I become? This is not, I'm never going to be this. I don't have 9,500 followers on Instagram. Uh, but I'm just kind of curious, you know, what's the last 30 days or so uh, it's been a little less than 30, about 25 days since we've had them on. Um, how did they motivate you? How have you seen your following, your engagement, your processes change? Well, I think for me, we'll let, yeah. Um, it, anytime that I'm in a group conversation with makers, whether we're talking about social media or whether we're talking about projects or whether we're talking about processes or whatever, I get motivated by y'all. That helps me kind of get over the hump and rethink things or think things more clearly or whatever. So for me, it was very motivating and inspiring, you know, kind of like, Hey, we're all in this together, even though I'm not up with y'all, but you know, at least in my mind, I'm kind of like, okay, we're all trying to accomplish these goals. And for me, I think about it as an improvement process. I'm trying to improve my process. I don't want to post garbage but i want to post so i want to post content that's worth watching but yet in i need to let myself exact accept the fact 
that little bitty bits can be that's the relevant part. content. I, I know. cannot post po- content. I'm like, what's the point of this? You know, and the point is it's some guy taking a shit and that's all he wants to see and move on. And I'm like, but there has been no value gained from this, but that's well, what they want to see. But I think at least for me and mine have okay, not been popping video off. has popped off for you of in the last month. What's been your most successful reel? I have not had anything that has been like out of this world now. Okay. So over on YouTube, on YouTube shorts, my most successful one was the welding magnets. And that's what in the last month, my content has been tools and techniques. So it's either tips on using epoxy, whether it's scraping off the excess with a heat gun and a chisel, or whether it's using a syringe to distribute the epoxy in order to not make a huge mess because I make a mess with everything. Or it's, you know, as I'm trying to learn how to weld and learn patience while I'm welding, you know, the tack, tack, and then the, you know, it's not, it's tack, tack, and then. So that's what my content has been. Now, like I said, nothing of mine has gone hog wild since, you know, in the last month, but my, my numbers are improving and I'm okay with that because I'm content with the content that I'm posting and it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm content with it. I wish obviously the numbers would grow a little faster, but it is what it is. So we'll get to Austin since he'll, so he'll have the most to share. I looked, my biggest one in the last 20 days was 17.9,000, which is a lot for me. And it was the video of where I adapted the microphone stand to hold the shoe last. So that was a long video. It was 60 seconds and it took everything I had to get it down to 60 seconds. But when I look, it has two comments, my sister and another Instagram account that I have a relationship with, and it's got 79 likes and 60 of those are people who already follow me. So these people are watching it, but no one's engaging with me. I'm not getting followers from it. I'm not getting comments. I'm not getting anything. Um, Beyond that, uh, nothing has really had more than 2,000 or so views and several of them, videos that I thought would do good. Uh, Laser engraving the belt buckle, 460 views. Uh, And then I did an experiment where I posted a long version and a short version of the same content. And the long version got 893 views and the short got 741. So, Mm. you know, I'm just not seeing where it is. And I'll say this, you know, Austin is proof that if you just keep plugging, 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 you never know when it'll change and it can change quickly. But I'm kind of getting to where I don't like doing reels. I like doing stories and static posts. And I kind of feel like that's what I just need to be. I feel like you should do whatever the hell you want. That's right. It it doesn't matter, you know, and that's. even when you get to the point where you're making good money, like for example, I talk to Chris pretty much every day on clubhouse or through text and he views it, the money that he's making. He's like, this is free money. This is free money. He's like, I I would, I'm going to post this stuff, whether I'm getting paid or not. So I I don't know if I agree with that because Chris Powell was not posting three, four, five times a day before he was getting paid to do it. I agree. And now he's like, hey, put my left shoe on. Here's a post. Hey, put my right shoe on. Here's a post. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he tells me. I don't yeah. know. You know, you can <laughs> call bullshit on him, but oh, all right. I'm just telling you what I, what he tells me. But but also I I th- you you gotta do what makes you 
happy, right? Right, right. And That's not what it too many down. headaches. Hey, real quick. Yeah. Chris Powell posted something. Keith, it was a, what window should I put on my car? Keith Drennan commented. And then I took Keith's comment and wrote the exact opposite. Like I used the, every word that he used and just flipped. Like if he said, oh, do A because it's good. I wrote do B because it's good and posted the exact same thing. And I don't think anyone saw, but I was so happy with that. Like I was so happy with commenting. So you just want to troll. Yeah. That's maybe what that's makes where, Maybe that's right. I should stop posting my own content. I should just comment on everyone else's. There yeah, you go. There you go. I, I, I think you just got to do whatever you want to do. You know, like it's very, if, if it's not going to get you the follow, like if you're after follow, I, I don't know. If you're after followers, go after it. If you're not, then who cares? Do whatever you want, you know? And also sometimes when you do whatever you want, that's when you find your people, you know, everybody's yeah. got a different niche that they're going to fill. You know, there's, there's your thirst trap woodworkers out there like Christy. And then you yep. got me, you know, shaking ass on TikTok and only fans. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, my OnlyFans is active. Which, <laughs> so I don't have I talked about this on the podcast at all? I don't know Briefly, a while back, quite a while back, I set up an OnlyFans, and this was as a joke because I I was like, this is the most work I've ever gone through for just a joke. I had to like take pictures of my license front and back, take selfies with my me, just me front side view, um, and then take photos with my id next to my face i wow. spread my butt cheeks and take a photo and send it in it's yeah. it was a very in-depth process to get approved by only fans everyone does have a unique butthole so i could see where they'd use that instead they of said it's the it's the undercarriage thumbprint is what sure. they referred to it as i believe that, that um, is way more information than i even <laughs> i don't need to know that you may need to identify all. somebody someday and no just know if they never. burn their fingers off fingerprints yeah. off you can always do a butthole print Right. <laughs> so anyways, uh, so I, I set up a video on there with a free subscription, right? Hoping that it would just be a funny thing that I could link in my thing and yeah. people would click no. the OnlyFans and then it go. Wanted my credit card information. I'm like, I'm not explaining yeah. to my wife that I loaded my credit card on OnlyFans to see an Austin video. Like, right. I'm not doing this. This is yeah, not so it was a major backfire because I didn't, I didn't know there was like paywall that stopped everybody. Yeah. So I thought it would free. just be yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Free so I set it up as a free. free. Yeah. So it's just them being like, I mean, maybe they're just trying to make it where it's, you have to be 18 to be on that site. That's they're probably what it, it is. Where it's quick to get you in. Like, yeah, it's the impulse impulse yeah. buy quote unquote. That's what okay. they're going. For. I'm going to watch yours and then it's going to go to the next one. It's going to say, Oh, click here and pay 99 cents to see this. It ain't yeah. happening, bro. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I should post the, I, I saved the video, so I should post the video on Instagram so people can see it's it. A but good anyways, video. It's just a slow clip. I do want to tie this back to Josh, what you were saying though, Austin, about posting whatever you want to post, because, you know, where Josh was saying he has so much content that he doesn't post just listening to him talk about the stuff that he doesn't post. I'm like, man, I want to see that content too. You know what yeah. I mean? So I kind of feel like post what you want to post. Yeah. Now there's ways of doing it to editing and stuff like that, that might make it a little more catchy, but just because a person might think, ah, oh, this isn't really my normal thing, or this isn't really what I think people might want. 
sometimes you might just test the waters and see. Folks might want to see all of your work rather than just the niche that you've carved out for yourself. Just, I mean, just a thought. Right. And you know, so Dean was just talking about like how he likes stories, likes posting the stories instead of reels. I've gone the other direction. And instead of me doing my, you know, normally I used to do stories all the time where I would just talk to the camera and I'm like, here's what's going on. Every day. Yep. Yep. I've just been doing that and filming it as reels and posting it. Um, and obviously they have not been working well. <laughs> a couple of them have done pretty decent on some platform, like on TikTok. Um, but I'm just filming whatever, like whatever I feel like filming at that moment. I'm just yeah. flowing free. And um, sometimes the ones that you're like, you put the least amount of effort in are the ones that pop. And then sometimes it's the ones where, I, you know, you put a lot of effort in. So, yeah. Now I do want to add, I did get a, a ding on my Facebook. Um, I got the notification that I won't be able to get, I don't know, in streaming ads or something because I'm not posting original content. So I don't know what's up with that because everything I post is my content, but it might be that something fed from Instagram to Facebook. And then I also posted it on Facebook. So I don't, I don't know if that's the problem. That's, that is part of the frustrating part with a lot of these deals is you don't really know the rules exactly yeah and now you i did notice right i did notice that facebook now when i click on the different types of uh monetization they do tell you what the benchmarks are so i'm like okay for the next thing i need five thousand followers or ten thousand followers or whatever it is and youtube shorts or youtube in general they give you a good job of telling you what the benchmarks are now tiktok and instagram i don't think that's the case but me being the A, B, C, this is what I do to get yeah. this result, blah, 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 blah. You don't like the gray it area. It is a little bit of a, oh, it's a little struggle bus area for me. Yeah. But but my theory is, hey, this is bonus money. This is bonus cash. This is where, as we've all been talking about my shop over the last, I don't know, six months or so, a saw stop is in my future. And once we get enough of this uh, content creation cash, that's when the old saw stuff is going to show up. So cool. fingers crossed something great. starts popping off. Uh, so I want to wrap it up here, but I know we've been talking for a while. The one thing that I will say, you know, Dean, you were talking about how you've been getting burnt out. I was super burnt out on social media, like after the Christmas season and everything, mm. but me getting this boost of follows and, and also money coming in and everything, it has like reignited my, fo- like, it was very easy for me to be like, I'm filming 30 reels today. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, I did. I filmed like a, an unbelievable amount of reels and I think cool shit too. So, um, so don't get discouraged. Good message. Yep. Grant, don't get discouraged. It's coming back around. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear feedback from you. So reach out to us on Instagram at making our way podcast. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram or YouTube. I'm at high caliber craftsman. Christy is at twisted twine woodworking and Dean is at Dean underscore Duplantis. Thanks again, friends.